welcome. This is Madhead Economics. My name is Elaine. Here are my two co-hosts, Saren and Yudong. Hi. Hello. Uh, today on our show, we invited our old friend, Dr. David Just. Hello. <laughs> and our new guest, Dr. Yap Sok. Hello. Dr. Yap Sok is from Wageningen University in Netherlands. He just published a paper about farmers' preference for blue tongue vaccination scheme attributes, which explored a very interesting topic in livestock disease control. When we think from a behavior economic perspective, farmers are certainly making some important decisions here. Yeah, well, um, what should I say about it? Because I'm uh, I'm an economist and not an epidemiologist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I know so far is that uh, blue tongue is still in Europe, mm-hmm. but it is actually, so far as I know, it's still in France. Um, so there are cases reported in France, and of course all other member states hope that they will not get infected uh, by France. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, blue tongue is still uh, like a threat, a risk for farmers, but experts think that it will stay in France. At the moment. Yeah. And, and so what, uh, what happens, you know, if you have a, a cow that's infected with blue tongue, what happens to them? What, uh, what, why would the farmer care? Yeah, yeah well, some, <laughs> some farms do not care at all. They think it's just like something like a flu. Okay. Uh, so also mm-hmm. the perception of the risk of the, the disease differs. Of course, depends on how severe it is, how, how clinical, I think epidemiologists call it clinical. But if it is really severe, it can, it first of all, will result in milk production losses. Okay. It can be quite substantial. Yeah, farmers, they will also experience that the whole farming system is disturbed. There are fertility problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes they just have to cull their animals. Yeah, so the reproduction is less. Uh, it could have quite an impact on the whole farm, farming system. It's not a danger for, for humans, so it's not a zoonos. Mm-hmm. It's really more for, uh, yeah, e- oh, it's yes. more economic, let's economic. say. Yeah. And, mm. and yeah. does it actually cause a blue tongue? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are, there are symptoms related to the tongue, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's where the name uh, where the names come from. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah, they also call it a blue tongue virus, a BTV, and uh, which is the... Um, the, the virus <laughs> that caused the disease. Okay. But um, so when you are uh, uh, first uh, started this research, mm-hmm. what methods you used to break down this question and then really look into farmer's choice? Well, I used actually several methods in my oh. PhD, but well, today we will focus on one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the choice experiment method. And the nice thing about choice experiments is that you are not you are not just stick to pure economic motives economic well st- it is in the family of it's in the branch of stated preference methods mm-hmm. and these methods are, are developed by econ- economists who had to value like the for example the willingness of, of, of people of consumers of citizens to pay for like public goods mm-hmm. and then the question is well then often there are not only monetary things included, but also maybe uh, non-monetary factors. For example, what what is that? What could be the value of, of nature? What could be the value of an economic price for nature, for biodiversity? Mm. And in my case, for, for animal health or mm. keeping mm. like animals healthy. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually why I came up with this method after careful consideration. So, so it literature. allows you then to, to differentiate between... I care about this because it's going to affect my milk production versus I care about this because I like my cows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And actually, you want to have maybe even estimate the trade-offs between these factors. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, and, and there have been smart people developing this method. It's it's coming from marketing, uh, information, disciplines. They have, they have added some, some things. So it's actually a kind of merger, a, a product that's developed out of lots of disciplines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but economists, they it's nowadays a very popular method. But you were focusing on farmer choice preferences, right? Right, yeah. yeah. On your research. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your research and why did you focus on this area? Um, so why I focused actually uh-huh. on this area, why I focused on this problem? Well, I have to be honest, it's not something that I chose myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it was I was just upon yeah. you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was imposed on me. And when I did my master thesis at the business economics group, there was just a project granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after the whole blue tongue epidemic. Mm. Uh, and and governments actually wanted to know more about what what is actually going on when farmers consider Vaccine. vaccination, mm-hmm. and when we make it voluntary, how should we hmm, how should we motivate these farmers, and can we actually really uh, predict what they will do? And when the go- when the policymaker needs to make the choice, mm. should I make it? mandatory or voluntary yeah. he should first know so are these people actually also willing to to collaborate mm. so th- the project was then granted by one of my supervisors and it was just there available and i got the choice do you want <laughs> to participate yeah. so here you mentioned an important thing that the government yeah. choice yeah. it came the initiative came from the, from the government mm-hmm. but it was all written as a as a europe in, in a European mm-hmm. call, mm-hmm. Uh, so it was. We did the research with uh, some partners from France and the UK. If, if government like mandatory make the farmers get the vaccination, then there would be imposed a question that you know, like s- some companies will be benefit because of their like you know, it could be a policy issue. Like farmers gonna go against it. In this case, your uh, what's your standpoint? Like, do you think they the government should make it mandatory, or, or how do you solve this um, policy dilemma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's an interesting question, but also difficult to answer. And I think <laughs> it's yeah, it's in the end, it's up to the policymakers. They mm-hmm. they bear the responsibility for for these questions. Mm-hmm. And as when you see in Europe, actually, it's already differing from member state to member state, and it's also mm-hmm. depending on well their governance style and. Uh, to give you an example, I think in Germany, voluntary vaccination programs w- would not so quickly be implemented. Mm. Uh, it, it, it has also to do with the way how policymaking us- usually is done. And so like, there's some cultural response. Exactly. And yeah. in the Netherlands, and well, especially the Netherlands and the UK, the UK they are known because of the neo-lib- neo- neoliberal government oh. style. Uh, yeah. So it actually fits in with with neoliberalism mm-hmm. which says that yeah you should actually make the li- let it up to the people mm-hmm. who have to Is make it? the decision provide them with the necessary information mm. and so. compensate if they should do something like for the society so, so. so it depends on the reliability of the governments well like not only the policy but also if the farmers do really trust on governments and their uh, policies yeah, is trust is a major yeah. issue, but trust is well. I think it's it's an other factor other fa- that other you factor, need to study. Okay, it's independent your, from okay, it. from the voluntary or mandatory decision. Hmm. This yeah. raises a couple of questions in my mind. Is it, you know, so you've actually observed some governments put in a mandatory uh, vaccination, yeah, yeah. and others who haven't. Are they more influenced by their politics and and you know their sort of political philosophy or? 
or does the severity of, of the threat have something to do with it? Yeah, there are diseases which are which have can have such severe consequences that also the neoliberal uh, policymakers will will go for a mandatory approach. Like think of the foot and mouth diseases. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Especially when there is a human component in the disease, mm -hmm. when it when it can also harm a human. Mm -hmm. Well, then governments have no choice. They they need to really control and do it by regulation and enforcement. Mm -hmm. uh, but as soon as it becomes a little bit more a gray area, it's more about economics and efficiency and effectiveness, then yeah. you, s you see that the governments actually, they start imp implementing different policies. Mm -hmm. And the EU actually, well, let, defines the, the broad context, but let it, let it up to the individual member states how to fill it in. The other question that, that popped into mind is that, you know, oftentimes when we start talking about public health or other sorts of issues, there, there's a crowd that measures effectiveness of a policy only in terms of the prevented disease or the, the prevalence mm -hmm. of that disease mm -hmm. in the end. So, yeah, that's what you really could call, I think, the effectiveness. But there, there's, I mean, the economist's point of view is that, you know, that there's going to be some trade-off in efficiency, exactly. right? Exactly. So, so which approach do you think is more efficient? <laughs> uh, is there really efficiency going on? Is, can you really think of efficiency? Yeah, it's efficiency. hard to measure, right? Because we don't know, I, we, we can't see counterfactuals and how much people are spending and mm -hmm. making on this, right? Right, so it's, it's difficult. Um, you could, though, maybe measure, try to measure cost effectiveness. Uh -huh. Yeah. So first you need to define effectiveness. And I think what <laughs> effectiveness is, is, okay, you, you basically you get the disease under your control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but and the time, the time dimension is then, okay, I, I forget about the time dimension <laughs> for so how long it will take. Uh, and then you have to think about, okay, what's, what are then the costs? And the, the, the idea is that voluntary approaches could still be effective while being cheaper. So mm -hmm. being more cost effective. Yeah. yeah. But talking about the effectiveness, I I thought there are lots of like policies governments has done in order to motivate the farmers to and to do the vaccination. So and the governments do the subsidies. So do you think um, because in most people think like the tax incentive will be pretty effective because it's like a like a like a, a money and motivation. But actually, I know that's not the fact. Is that right? Yeah, well, I found some evidence that suggests that uh, sometimes, well, incentives, financial incentives, give the opposite effect. So yeah. make actually it less likely that farmers will, will vaccinate, in my case, in the study mm -hmm. that I adopted. That sounds bizarre. So, so why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it goes really against maybe all economic theory. Because what, what we all, I think, have learned is that people are not willing to take costly actions because of, for others. They just consider their own interests. Mm -hmm. They are self-interested. Mm -hmm. They are rational. So they, they, they look at the risk. They look at the probability that something might happen and they make a, they make a decision, mm. of course. And they, they could have different risk preferences. But what I, I'm really open to insights from psychology. Mm. And there, there have been people who really discriminate whether people are intrinsically motivated or extrinsically mm -hmm. motivated. And when, when I started th mm. thinking about it, I actually realized that economists, they always just think that people can only be extrinsically motivated. And that is true, like prices. Mm. So they just correspond to 
prices to, to differences in prices. Well, if it could be also true when, when, when it is true that um, farmers or people in general are also could have intrinsic motivations, mm -hmm. then it might be that what is then the effect, you could subsequently ask, what is then the effect of providing a price or yeah. pr providing compensation? And, yeah, and then there have been people also describing that in the literature who say that if you then provide subsidy, people actually get a feeling that they that they should do something that they actually are already really motivated for to do so they are they they are intrinsically motivated to to do that mm -hmm. while the subsidy is giving them the feeling okay there's just someone else like a principal it's like an obligation who wants to compensate you for something yes. that you actually are just willing to do because maybe you're emotionally affected with your to your cows and you want to let them Take be care. in proper health yeah. <laughs> and and that could Okay, I think maybe it, it is going along with maybe also distrust in the government, and maybe mm -hmm. there are there are more effects mm. that you need to disentangle. But that may affect in a negative way. You mean like yeah. the opposite way? Yeah. Mm. Huh. So, so, yeah. That may discourage them to take some vaccination. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the way you might way you might think about this in a, in a sort of, you know, more general context or a context that people might be more familiar with. You, you have a kid who you want to do well in school, <laughs> right? Paying them to do well in school might might get them to just rebel a little bit against it. And, yeah. and they uh, they might actually do worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it's described actually in, in, in all kinds of way problems sometimes also maybe in in, uh, yeah. in, in, in companies oh. where but they think when we provide more wage likely the, the motivation will go up but sometimes yeah people people are they are not always economically rational thinking mm. thinkers they could emotional. have yeah. they, they are sometimes just just emotional or they care about maybe status or they are driven by norms or it's like the, so yeah that this is something that we know like people are not always monetary drive driven mm -hmm. but they can be the, what are the other effects that they can be driven about like so what are the other factors that they can affect their decisions like for example do they consider if their peers are taking this like doing mm -hmm. this or not is this an important factor have you checked it in yeah there? yeah when we were preparing this meeting i actually found out that you all have a, a macbook I think that's partly partly true because you're all influenced that, really? that uh -huh. okay there is some that's also their better maybe you think okay all people <laughs> all people have these uh, have that that laptop okay that, that should likely be the one I I, I <laughs> I should have, and uh, that, that's where I get my 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 maybe my reputation from. So just to uh, illustrate, and yeah. that I think we are all really influenced by by others, mm -hmm. and yeah, I actually also found some evidence that this might also be true for the for the research problem that I looked at. Mm -hmm. So people are definitely uh, influenced by by their peers. Uh, you could just maybe the, the peers who like are really the leading men. Mm -hmm. you, you know, farmers, they are sometimes very close with each other. Oh, they're they're all in the same kind of uh, market and, and they, they, yeah, they're, they form a kind of community. Mm -hmm. uh, if there is one farmer who who is like the best performer and he, yeah. he, is, he is doing... <laughs> so he's the leader and Yeah, he's somehow the leader. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. The alpha farmer. <laughs> the one okay. that all, who everybody talks about. Him. Yeah, you want to be actually... <laughs> was the best like this year. <laughs> performing the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what governments... Um, so farmers need information, right? So what governments 
channel, uh, like communication channels yeah. could play a role in terms of impacting farmers getting the va- vaccination. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, communication channels do they use? Yeah. To promote this vaccination? Like to well, I think uh, the most obvious one is is more the formal source of government information that you just get official okay. mail okay. Mm-hmm. and all the risks all the risk <laughs> are mentioned and hmm. yeah. uh, the, like the way how it goes and where where you should whom you should contact like the the, the facts and and like the more informal the more formal sources of information the more distant f- sources of information but i think that's yeah that is also maybe part of of um, behavioral economics maybe mm-hmm. you may call it nudging or uh-huh. yeah we have all kind of of, of concepts describing Sorry. actually that that the information source can be really important can be really uh, can really be a factor f- in accepting actually information what people have been thinking of is when you provide just the information via people, think of a veterinarian or think or, or other advisors or maybe peers. When you provide the information via them, uh-huh. likely farmers... Like we are experts. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Likely farmers, they, they feel less averse to these people. They, they rely on the trusted relationship and likely they are going to accept that information much faster and and yeah. and it, the information then has much more effect than just having that 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 beautiful leaflet yeah, <laughs> the leaflet's not particularly personal right i mean it's, it's not personal yeah. there's yeah you don't you don't know what's behind it you know yeah. yeah you don't know really the reason and you can not just ask questions back and it's more yeah it's right. more distance it's that personal Personal creates some value, I guess. The, the yeah. having that expert, having somebody a warm body there you can talk to. Right? Yeah, and also yeah. I can see that like most farmers may just like only ignore those papers, like those documents that they come to them. Like right. because yeah. if it's not mandatory, then maybe you would just like yeah. not feel in the mood of reading it or following it. It depends, I think, on the on the on the attitude. There are people in the communication literature actually mm-hmm. indicate that people farmers who have really a favorable attitude towards, uh-huh. let's say, vaccination. They are actually willing to, They every type of information they can get, they, are, they, yeah. they want to read it and they... This, they, is, this is a rational economy, human being. <laughs> yeah, like we all should perhaps, but not information. also uh, a farmer who's really caring about his cows and, and just want to use information for preventing or be insurance against psychological, emotional effects, he would also really like to ha- have that factual information and compare mm-hmm. and try to estimate what, what will be going on mm-hmm. and what should I do. So, I, yeah, I think it's economically rational people, but also like more the, well, how to call them? <laughs> the emotional, irrational people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but especially the farmers who who not would immediately vaccinate, so mm-hmm. they are maybe a little bit in between. You could maybe convince those people with really with trusted relationships. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what my hypothesis would be. Um, so, is there any extension or application that extended from your research that you apply in the future or? Could be applied. Do you mean uh, applying it to other research prob- problems? Is yeah, that what you yeah. Mean? And also, you mentioned uh, Naji. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just curious, uh, what is Naji? <laughs> well, let, let it put on the table. Who, who, what, what do we think of what, what Naji actually is? <laughs> I feel like, I mean, even if you send them those, like only um, disinformation, only by documents, not via tellers. 
like as you said, but maybe only by documents. You can tell those farmers like by saying that, oh, you know, like for example, 80% of the, I mean, there are some like research which shows like, which proves this is an uh, effective way to do it. You can say 80% of the farmers around you are actually getting their uh, cows vaccinated. So you should do it as well. This kind of an information I believe would be useful, I guess, to increase this vaccination. I mean, that, that sort of demonstrates a social effect, right, yeah, that, that they found effect. in other contexts. To me here, and you know, there are a bunch of possibilities for nudging, right? Yeah. I could think using information like that mm-hmm. and, and sort of leveraging the social norms yeah. exactly. could help. Maintaining choice, you could, could still, I mean, instead of making it mandatory, make it, uh, make it so, yeah, we're going to send around people and they're going to be vaccinating everybody. You can opt out if you want, right? Mm-hmm. That would certainly move the needle pretty tremendously. It would be costly, though. Yeah. Right? Putting it as default. But yeah. when you do it mandatory, it also increases the cost as well. So well, Yeah. Well, the mandatory, they're making it mandatory, but they're requiring the farm yeah, to pay exactly. for it, for, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, At least that's my understanding. Yeah, I, I'm not, I, I'm not I didn't sure get if, it. I told very sure how they then will distribute uh, the costs because there are, there are, like, funds available. Okay. okay so um, subsidized by government. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think most of the cost will be will be covered. subsidized and covered by public funding, okay. Okay. public funds. Yeah, but speaking of, of nudging, how I understood the concept is that you, well, steer actually people a little bit in the way you want them to go to. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, I think that's my understanding of the concept is, is you're going to do things that uh, make them more prone to take a particular choice you want them to, mm-hmm. so, but but still giving them the choice. Yeah, but you, you also know that you are going to influence them, yeah. and that that will be actually quite ef- effective because they cannot always consciously, right? Is that? Yeah. I hope I use the right term, but yeah. consciously choose because yep. they are just directed a little bit, and mm. yeah. It's also a little bit, mm, it's, it's um, sometimes you have to also maybe ethically think about it, whether it's allowed yeah. or not. But it's actually maybe f- from the social welfare ex- uh, perspective, it's, 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 some, it's something good to steer farms more maybe in the rational direction. Mm. Well, it, it's an, it, this would be an interesting case though, right? Because the same problems you have with the mandatory versus choice, you could run into with this, this sort of nudge approach. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, if, if really you're just sort of overriding the rational, yeah, then you're going to have people vaccinating where it's it's not efficient, where, you know, they don't really need the vaccination or it's it's not going to actually create more value. Um, actually, I gather you actually had some evidence that yeah, there was such a yeah, yeah, thing yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. That I, could be a, a very potential high uh, paper, I guess, when I could <laughs> work that out. <laughs> so what I, what I have found actually, uh, no, not, no I, I have no results for it, but I heard it from, from supervisors and telling stories from really the farmers themselves. Mm-hmm. There were actually quite a lot of farmers who wanted to vaccinate their animals after they got infected. Yeah. <laughs> this is about this is about risk perception, yeah. right? So <laughs> most of us are more likely to think that that would never occur to us, that, that would never happen to us. So probably mm. farmers also think it like that. It should never ha- ever get- ever happen anymore. And uh, again, so, so it was this. I mean, the question is. Is this poor education about how vaccinations work, or is or this just, oh, yeah, no. really just yeah. something strange psychological effect? I don't know. Yeah, it's again 
the question is again will people always behave like like rationally or they may just be so overwhelmed by what they uh, experienced mm -hmm. from the disease sick cows maybe cows that even uh, died abortions of calves that you just want to be sure that that, that will ever never happen again yeah, that's and true. therefore maybe vaccination in, in in that situation maybe just kind of psychological insurance mm -hmm. so just, yeah. yeah this this sort of irrational response to fear yeah yeah, yeah. it changes yeah. their perception of, right. of risk yeah. like what they yeah. determine okay. but that's something I, I could not really capture in my research, research okay. methods but we were i've been talking yeah about it with some people and they think uh, I should investigate it in the future. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that would be your... Uh, but it's difficult. I, maybe probably I need to learn how to set up uh, a good experiment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There is some similarity between farmers and think about whether to do like vaccination for their cows similar to like parents whether to do the vaccination for their children. It's and an odd issue in the news. Yeah. Every like 50 years. Yeah. I know. I know it's a huge issue here. Is it? Yeah. Has it had any play in Europe as well? Yes. Okay. Uh, recently in the news it was that in Italy the government has made it actually mandatory to all parents. Uh, yeah. So the, the refusers were actually forced <laughs> to uh, have their uh, children vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So there you see again the, the dilemma between maybe freedom and, and public yeah. interest and public, public health. health. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that just brings us to a nice ending point. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Sok, for sharing today. And thank You're you, welcome. Dr. Jess. Thank and uh, our supporting te technician, Liam. All right, folks, here comes to the end. We're so glad you're enjoying our podcast, Mad Head Economics. Please share or contact with us. You can always find more from our website, Twitter, or just simply email us madheadecon at gmail.com. We are looking forward to hearing from you. Have a good one. Bye.